The Daily 202's Big Idea is supported by Battelle. For 90 years, the employees of Battelle have solved the world's most challenging problems, finding solutions and really big ideas. At Battelle, it can be done. Learn more at battelle.org slash 90. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, September 12th. In today's news... President Trump wins a big immigration victory at the Supreme Court. A tentative settlement with the manufacturer of OxyContin may be falling apart, and dangerous new hot zones are spreading around the world, leading to warmer waters that will bring catastrophic consequences. But first, the big idea. In Trump's renegade orbit, there are unspoken rules he expects his advisors to follow. He tolerates a modicum of dissent, so long as it remains private. He expects advisors to fall in line and defend his decisions, and he demands absolute fealty at all times. Those rules and more were broken by John Bolton, the national security advisor who left the White House suddenly on Tuesday in acrimonious ways. The rupture between Trump and Bolton is chronicled in public and private accounts of administration officials, is a case study of the president's sometimes Kafka-esque management style. The episode also illustrates the varied forces that propel advisors into this president's inner circle and often churn them out with similar velocity. Trump's desires for his advisors range from the trivial, someone who looks the part, to the traditional, someone willing to vigorously support him and defend his policies on TV. But these demands can be grating and at times terminal for members of his staff, especially for those who, like Bolton, may find themselves at odds with the president on critical issues. Current and former White House officials tell my colleagues Ashley Parker and Phil Rucker that Trump brokers and even encourages disagreement, but only to a point and only on his terms. The president, in other words, enjoys gladiator fights, pitting his aides against one another like so many ancient Romans, but only if he can play the part of emperor presiding over the melee and crowning the victor. One former senior White House official explained that Trump's advisors can all be put into four groups. In bucket one are those aides whose demise is all but foregone. The result of the president coming to suspect that an advisor thinks he or she is smarter than he is or trying to undermine him in some way. Rex Tillerson, Trump's first secretary of state and the one-time chief executive of ExxonMobil, is a cautionary tale in that category. In bucket two sits the advisor who simply doesn't gel with the president, ultimately failing to build the personal rapport necessary to survive. Trump may think this official is a good person who genuinely wants to help him, but for whatever reason, the advisor just irritates the president. H.R. McMaster, who preceded Bolton's national security advisor, is a good example of that. There's also the politically expedient advisor who brings Trump utility in the short term. Steve Bannon, the former White House chief strategist, was useful early in the administration in helping Trump channel the hard right base that lifted him to victory. A final category is the shiny new toy, an advisor that Trump has recently hired and gets really excited about, whether because of a cool nickname, James Mad Dog Mattis comes to mind, or because he or she has vigorously defended Trump on television. Bolton moved through all four of those buckets before being unceremoniously dismissed. And this latest breakup really is getting messy. In the Oval Office yesterday, Trump ripped into Bolton while speaking to reporters. 
he said Bolton made, quote, some very big mistakes. And then he blamed him for getting the United States into the war in Iraq. Bolton initially declined to comment in response to these remarks, but then he texted my colleague Robert Costa a few minutes later. I will have my say in due course. Several Bolton allies privately tell Robert, Josh Dossie, and John Hudson that Bolton is closely monitoring this news coverage from his house in Virginia, and he's not ruled out firing back hard. One close Bolton ally speaking on background called the president's criticisms odd, but then said Bolton wasn't surprised by Trump's latest outburst. After all, this person said, after working alongside him, Bolton has become all too familiar with the president's behavior. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the Trump administration can begin denying asylum requests for migrants at the southern border who have traveled through Mexico or another country without seeking protection there after the Supreme Court last night lifted a lower court's block on the new restriction. The justices put on hold an injunction from lower courts in California that halted the new rule pending additional legal action there. A district judge had said it probably runs afoul of a federal statute and administrative law requirements. Trump's policy is a dramatic change in the way the federal government treats those seeking safe haven in the United States. This is one of the administration's most significant efforts to deter migrants from trying to enter the country. Earlier this summer, the Supreme Court said on a 5-4 decision that it was okay for the president to divert $2.5 billion in Pentagon funds to build part of the president's wall. No vote was recorded in this asylum case order, but Justices Sonia Sotomayor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg noted their disapproval of the court's action in a scathing dissent. As is common, the court's majority didn't provide a reason for lifting the injunction issued by the lower court. The issue is likely to come back to the full court, the Supreme Court, when the ongoing legal challenges have been completed in the district level and then before the Ninth Circuit. But that could take months, if not years. And Sotomayor said the status quo should remain in place until then. This new change most affects Hondurans, Salvadorans, and Guatemalans who are leaving behind gang violence and high levels of crime in their country. It could also turn away migrants fleeing oppressive regimes in Nicaragua, Venezuela, and elsewhere. And a reminder, people who seek asylum from the United States are not illegal immigrants. It's not against the law to seek asylum. Number two, Purdue Pharma, the manufacturer of the painkiller OxyContin, reached a tentative deal with 23 states and more than 2,000 cities and counties that have sued the company over its role in creating the opioid crisis. The executive committee of lawyers representing cities, counties, and other groups in a federal lawsuit against Purdue is recommending that the deal be accepted. But more than half the state attorneys general in the nation are balking. They're planning to continue pursuing the company and its owners, the Sackler family. Under terms of a plan that's been negotiated for months, the Sacklers would relinquish control of the company, but admit no wrongdoing. The company would declare bankruptcy and be resurrected as a trust whose main purpose would be producing medications to combat the opioid epidemic. If the deal becomes final, it would be the first comprehensive settlement in the broad effort to hold drug companies accountable for their role. To date, Purdue has settled with one state, Oklahoma, for $270 million and won a victory when a North Dakota judge threw out that state's case against the company. Looking now at the latest public health epidemic, the surge in youth vaping. Trump announced yesterday that he's banning flavored e-cigarettes. In an Oval Office meeting, he said he made the decision at the urging of his wife, Melania, 
who's concerned about their 13-year-old son, Barron's, generation. The administration's move comes as health officials across the country investigate now more than 450 cases, including six deaths of lung disease linked to vaping. Many patients have reported using cannabis-related products, but authorities haven't ruled out any specific type of vaping. With the picture still murky, critics have seized the moment to press for tougher regulations of conventional e-cigarettes, which come in sweet and fruity flavors that have been favored by many young people. Number three. Around the planet, enormous ocean currents are traveling to new locations. As these currents relocate, waters are growing warmer. Scientists have found hot spots along the western stretches of four oceans, the North Atlantic, the North Pacific, the South Pacific, and the Indian. A major new Washington Post analysis of multiple temperature data sets finds numerous locations around the globe that have warmed by at least two degrees Celsius over the past century. That's a significant number, two degrees Celsius, because scientists and policymakers have identified it as the red line if the planet is to avoid catastrophic and irreversible consequences. But in regions large and small, the red line has already been reached. Entire countries, including Switzerland and Kazakhstan, have warmed by two degrees Celsius. Austria has said the same about its famed Alps. Meanwhile, the Trump administration today will finalize a repeal of the 2015 Waters of the United States rule that Trump calls destructive and horrible. In the halls of Washington and on sprawling farms and ranches, in courtrooms and boardrooms, a legal tug of war has been unfolding ever since Barack Obama put in place the rule that gave the Environmental Protection Agency much broader authority over waterways. Critics say the Obama rule gave the federal government too much power. Supporters countered that it would prevent the loss of vast swaths of wetlands. Court rulings have temporarily blocked the regulation in 28 states while keeping it in effect in 22 others. The Trump team will scrap the Obama-era definition of what qualifies as waters of the United States under the Clean Water Act, returning the country to a tighter definition that was put in place at the urging of industry groups by Ronald Reagan back in 1986. Critics say this rollback will speed the conversion of wetlands and headwaters, which provide critical habitat for wildlife and support our nation's drinking water supply. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, September 12th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.